Welcome to That's a Wrap, episode number 23. I am Eric Marshall. I'm Chris Gullen. And I am Nick Schlegel. And we are three guys with PhDs who like to talk about film and media and stuff. You can find us at that's a rap show.com. We're also on Twitter and Facebook. Today we are talking about our top five favorite film endings. So as you all know, our, our faithful listeners know, we usually start with pickups, a little uh, catch up from last episode. So what is new, guys? Why don't you begin, Eric? Well, let me see. Um, I've, I've, I don't know. There's not much. Um, I, uh, you know, so just had a birthday, so that was good. Everybody's happy about that, yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah. Getting older is fun. Yeah. Uh huh. So uh, yeah, just wrapping up a, uh, a summer semester at U of M Dearborn, which has been going quite well. And uh, I'm at that bittersweet moment of you know about to say bye to them, but also being like, yeah, okay, cool. I get my summer to myself for the most part. Right. Um, otherwise, I'm in writing, 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 and just enjoying the uh, the summer weather here. What about you guys? Chris, why don't you go? Uh, very busy. Um, I. I'm not teaching right at the moment. I'm doing some other stuff, getting ready to move um, to Massachusetts um, to start the semester there in the fall. But I am teaching in a couple of weeks at Oakland University. So I'm getting ready for that class. Uh, yeah, just this is busy, busy summer. I'm trying to get a little writing done. I just got into a conference in New Orleans um, in October. So I got accepted to that. So I'm going to be heading... Heading down there in October for the Popular American Cultural Association of the South Conference. Um, fun city, fun people. So I'm looking forward to that. So good, good, uh, good, very busy, but very good time. Cool. Nick? Well, pretty much the same as you, Eric. Uh, just finishing up a spring term. Um, and yeah, the, the, the final exams next week. So that's all done. And then I've got, um, you know, about eight weeks of unemployment after that where I will be clearly writing every day. I've got to finish a book and, and deliver it. Contract calls for delivery this fall. So I'm going to try and finish it up um, and take advantage of being unemployed. Uh, yeah. You know, just sort of, you know, trying to do some meditative things around the house. <laughs> yeah, summer's great for that kind of stuff, man. It really, it really is. is. Hey, I was happy to see that uh, we have a uh, whole bunch of Facebook likes all of a sudden, just in the last week or two. Uh, a lot of a lot of new likes. Yeah, I sent out a. I made a lot of friends in the last. Uh... Oh, was that you? <laughs> Some of it was me because I went to my high school reunion and I told, ah, I, told I told everyone at my reunion about you got about our, our the podcast and they're like, oh, we'll check that out. So they all bunch of them oh, came cool, and liked cool. it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's that's great. Yeah, if yeah. if uh, if listeners want to like us on Facebook, you can find us there. Just do a search for "That's a Wrap" with a W, and uh, like us. We we uh, announce all of our new episodes there, and uh, sometimes there's a fun little survey or something. So, um, yeah, I was happy to see that. That was uh, that was cool. Yeah, I was wondering where the where the traffic was coming from. I also noticed we had a uh, a comment on the uh, Wes Anderson 
episode, which is something like our fifth or sixth uh, most downloaded episode <laughs> so far. So, which is not bad since it's our latest episode as well. But there is a comment on there from Eric, spelled the same way as me, but it's not me. So just so you know, this nice comment uh, talking about not hating or loving Wes Anderson, kind of being in the middle and kind of, I don't know, accepting his flaws. So I was happy to see a comment there. I think I know who that is, but I'm not entirely certain because, like I said, all it says is Eric, E-R-I-K. Um, and I think I know who that is. But So that was cool. So if you want to leave comments on this or anything else, that's a rapshow.com is the place to go. So, And you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher and all those other cool places if you're not already subscribed there. So, yeah, I was just happy to see increased traffic and increased listenership and increased engagement on Facebook and on the blog. It's nice. It's nice. We like the, we like the feedback. We love the feedback. If I can uh, take a moment and just give a shout-out to those fine gentlemen who are listening from the U of D Jesuit High School class of 94, thank you for listening. <laughs> there we go. Okay, should we move on to segment one of principal photography? Sounds good. All right, let's do it. Welcome to segment one of Principal Photography for episode number 23 of That's a Wrap. Uh, today we're talking about our top five movie endings. Uh, it, it's, it's probably redundant to say that there's, there are going to be spoilers in this episode. <laughs> so <laughs> to this, few. Will, <laughs> this might be our least listened to episode, actually. The nature of this episode is we're talking about our favorite endings. Um, so, you know, if, if you're listening, probably the best thing to do is since we don't have a list put up cause we wanted to genuinely sort of surprise each other, you know, and have it be spontaneous. The best thing to do is if we say the film and you haven't seen the ending, you know, when you're, as you're listening to this, you might want to just scoot forward a little bit into the podcast. Yeah. You're really, uh, if you really don't want to hear it, but I guess we should warn you that all the films, we will tell you the film first before we actually get into the ending, obviously. Yeah. Definitely, and I think this time maybe I'll uh, we'll post the uh, list on the uh, show notes so people can just take a browse it so that you know what I mean in case you're really like, oh I didn't know that's how Citizen Kane ended or whatever. Um, not, <laughs> not that that's one of them, but you know. Um, and as usual with our top fives, we don't know each other's lists. Um, this is all gonna be a surprise to each other, so that's. Uh, that's always exciting. I feel like when we've done these before, I always feel like like I always feel like I have a decent list. I always assume there's going to be some overlap, and sometimes there is, but usually there's not. But I always feel like when each of you guys mention a film, a lot of the times I'm like, oh, I wish I had thought of that. Oh, and I'm sure that's going to happen today as well. Yeah, I suspect <laughs> that too. I was thinking about that. So had my list sort of like, you know, mentally inscribed for a very long time. So I haven't really thought much outside of it. I just knew exactly what my top five favorite endings were. So I'll be listening to your stuff going, oh, man, I totally should have thought of that. Oh, why didn't I think of that? Because mine was already kind of, kind of etched in cement. Right, right. Yeah, that's good. And this, you did bring this topic. You were like, let's do this. So, um... 
and and so you already had your list and i spent the last week or so thinking about it and uh you know some of the questions that come up is like what constitutes an ending is it the last shot of the film is it the last piece of dialogue is it the last act is it the last five minutes maybe we should qualify that but it's too late too late (laughs) my my my, uh not that we can't talk about the moments that precede the ending but for me the ending is really the ending it's the final moments we're talking about the last you know couple minutes of the film essentially and so not not yeah. everything that leads up to it but we're talking not a, it that which that mean it it could very well be the last shot it could be the last scene it could be the last yeah. sequence i mean it could yeah. be any of those things but when i think of you know of the ending of a film i i'm really thinking of you know, just the last minute or two of it, really, quite frankly, or it could be even less than that. Yeah. And that's and all of mine are that, um, all but one, all of them are the last, um, piece of dialogue, last scene, last image, yeah, or, um, or except cool. for one might be the last two scenes. So yeah, that's, that's how I took, that's the spirit in which I took it for sure. So yeah, if anybody's interested in our other, uh, top fives, uh, you know, while you're waiting for the episode number 24, um, uh, episode three was our f- top five TV shows of the 21st century. Episode number five was uh, our top five adaptations. And episode number 18 was our top five movies to look at. So those are some of our other top fives when you're, when, when you're done with this and you want to you want to move on to the other top fives in case you care about what we think about that stuff. So, <laughs> so Nick, since you brought it, we're going to make you do number five first. We go five to one. All right. Very good. Um, well, I wonder if this will be a surprise to you guys or not. Um, probably not. I think you guys know I love this film. I've all, and I and I think Eric, I I could be wrong. I I think I think you're not a fan of it. But uh, I'll just I'll just spit it out and then we'll, we'll we'll hash it out. My fifth favorite ending of all time is from a relatively contemporary film. It's from Castaway. <laughs> I almost put that on mine. So Did good you? call, yeah. good See? call, Nick. Yeah, yes, good, yeah. and, and, and very good choice. Mean, Chris, because I know you're a big fan of that film too, and I love it. I I've told you guys that I often put it on, uh, as a kind of um, as a respite, really, from the world. You know, I like to put it on and just pretend that I'm Chuck on that uh, on that island, and. Um, you know, kind of like get into a sensory deprivation type of environment and just and just uh, go there. And, and and the film, to me, has always been impeccably struck structured. Really, um, I often, you know, it's 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 perfect screenwriting. And it's screenwriting 101. It's entirely character based, entirely setting uh, based, which provides the conflict for the film. And I often discuss it in in intro to film when we're doing narrative and three act structure because of its clear distinctions. And its plot points, and its very discernible climax, and its very discernible denouement, and, and so on and so forth. But it's really its ending that brought me to to just bring it up today. And that's for so for those of you who don't know how it ends. This is you know, there's a spoiler alert. He's he's essentially standing at the crossroads. He's he's delivered these FedEx packages that uh, he's left unopened um, that were washing ashore, and he's delivered the last one, which had this you know this artist's sort of stamp on it, these angel wings with halos around them. And, you know, they really kept him going. I think when he lost the, uh, uh, the image of, of, um, of Kelly, of Hel- Helen Hunt, when it had faded away essentially and was no longer there, I think things like that, that angel, that iconography kept him going and kind of symbolized hope 
and he's literally, you know, he's literally and figuratively standing at the crossroads on his Jeep, and he's got a map out, and a woman, a very attractive woman with sort of auburn hair gets out of her truck and tells him that he looks lost. You know, she's like, you look lost. He's in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> and they start talking. She starts telling him, like, where each, if he goes in each direction, where it will take him, you know. This takes you this way. This takes you this way. Of course, the last one she says takes you into like uh, you know uncharted deep deep Canada. Basically, it'll just pop you all the way up there. And he thanks her, and she gets in the truck and pulls away. And the, he sees the he sees her 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 stamp basically her artist stamp on the back of the, the old truck, and it brings him you know I think this calming reassurance. And we don't know what's going to happen to Chuck. He's spent four years of his life on this desert island. He's back in civilization. There's these wonderful moments that precede it of him trying to readjust to society and civilization. And I I love that ending. I think it's just so perfect and uh, ambiguous, you know. Definitely. Yeah, for, for a film like that, like like Castaway, where the, this, the structure of the film and when he comes back to civilization, there's just a million ways they could have done it and to leave it all open to interpretation and open to ambiguity um, was just, well, it was just magical. Love that. Loved it. Love that ending. It's really brave, you know? Oh, it is brave. Definitely. It's brave. It doesn't tie anything up into a nice, neat little bow. That's what I like about uh, it. Exactly. His fiance has has married, and they're not. You know, they had their chance. There's this wonderful scene prior to that where he's saying, "But I've lost her all over again." You know, it's it's uh, it's great stuff. Uh, yeah, I've I've never seen Castaway all the way through. Um, I think I might have seen the end though. It's not because I don't like it. It's just I've never sat through it. Um, anytime I've had a chance to watch it, it's been on TV or I've been over someone's house where they have it on, but it's like the middle of the film. And uh, so I've never sat down and watched Castaway from beginning to end. I've probably seen every moment of the film at some point or another, but I don't, I don't understand it. Like I don't know, you know what I mean? Because I haven't sat down and watched it. I've just never bothered to do so. Um, it didn't appeal to me, I guess, when it came out. And I'm not. Like I mean, I'm open to watching it. I'm sure I will at some point. But I, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's always like I see a 20 minutes here, half hour there, or like I'm watching at my mom's house and everybody's talking, or you know, stuff like that. So, there's so I don't real, know. I haven't seen it. The last thing I'd say, there's a real sort of minimalist score from uh, Alan Silvestri in the film, and uh, it, there are certain cues and motifs and themes that he that are reoccurring in it. And and as, as with the you know as we're on left on Tom Hanks there at the very end of the film. They cue his uh, his his theme in the credits roll, and it's just for me one of those perfect little cinematic moments, and that's why. Sounds fantastic. Okay, uh, are we gonna do honorable mentions? Uh, uh, if you guys want to, I don't have any. So if you guys want to, but uh, I yeah. Why well, So is that does that determine what you say for number five? <laughs> no, but I do have a couple of honorable mentions. Right. I've got a couple too, just to throw well, let's let's start with five. See how long we go. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a good call. That, um, yeah. Five is. Uh, um, Nick and you, you, Eric, probably too, will know that this is a a very important film to me. Um, and uh, I maybe maybe it should be higher on the nostalgia scale, but um, I put uh, as number five. I'll just say it, and that's um, Steven Spielberg's uh, E.T. Oh, uh, and really, the ending for for me, the the you know the ending, the the is is kind of that that 
ending portion starts when they're on the bicycles and they, they go across the moon. You know, that's kind of like the, 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 the real ending. And then they land. And of course the, the uh, Amblin entertainments. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. The, the Amblin and, and, and insignia and whenever I see that scene, I, I always get, get chills. And then of course they land and, and, uh, E.T.'s ship has has come back, and he he you know, goes. He has that all oh, that. Oh, I'll be right here, and he he revives the plant, and then he scuttles off onto his little little ship. And it, it it flies away, um, and you know a lot of people, um, you know, especially now with special effects, they dog E.T. Um, but uh, that was the first film I ever saw, and the ending to that, the wrap up. Um, really kind of puts it into a nice package and is just kind of the, it gets to the, the whole, the human nature of that film and of the creature. Um, and I just absolutely, uh, absolutely adore it. And of course, William's score is just in, in full lush orchestral triumph. Uh, so that's, that's my, that's my number five. That's that good E.T. E. the Extraterrestrial and his adventure on Earth, which is the <laughs> official full title of the film. Is it really? <laughs> and, his, and his adventure did, on Earth. I did not know that. That's a good one. That's a great I can't imagine anybody dogging that film today, and I'd be very upset and under, want to know why. Because it's a it was a it was just I think it's just as magical now as, as when I saw it in the theater. I've heard people call it corny. I've heard people call it stupid. I oh, yeah, God. I get really upset when people dog ET. Um, you know, it, it, yeah, I know, right? It, it, it it's such a a sophomoric, ignorant. Yeah, I mean that is the he, reading he of the film. that actual shot from the film, that frame to make the icon to make the logo for his entertainment company. I mean, that's, right, that's, right. And you're right, John Williams. I mean, he he very smartly gave us little portions uh, of the theme throughout the film. He never played the da 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 Not until not that until one. We have that release, that tear from when, when, the, when the actual bike takes off. and It takes off and you see it across the moon and then you have that da 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 And I, I still, thank you, thank you, thank you. I still get goosebumps whenever I hear that Score. I'll be right here. I just love it. I love it. Yeah, I just that film makes me grin from ear to ear. I just it's it's uh, it's in my top two all song all time favorites. So yeah, it's a great film. That's a good ending too. Yeah, thank you. Pieces, pieces. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> man, I haven't seen ET in so long. Man, it was oh, originally going to be M and M's actually, but M and M's turned it down. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> dummies <laughs> how many years later and i still remember the candy you know right right and how, how that year that's that the, that year it came out reese's pieces were the rage yeah. so it was the speaking Mad magazine i bought with the cover of et on it <laughs> yeah yeah nice great okay my number Here's five Eric. my number five is an older one than you guys is but um it's the maltese falcon knew it. Knew did you know yeah you knew it had to be in there right five, but i knew it'd be in yeah there. yeah my my order is pretty loose like I, like very often we go like it goes de- ascending five to one these are all kind of all good to me you know so yeah. it's you know it could easily be number two on my list but um you know uh one of my favorite films of course uh, 1941 john houston um maltese falcon 
And the end is, is so great because you've got all these crazy things going on. They're trying to find this falcon and, and people are dying in Sam Spade's office. And it's, you know, you know I mean, it's just it's got all this, this craziness and at the end. They end up in this apartment. And uh, and they're waiting and waiting for this delivery, and that whole scene is great. But oh, yeah. you know, it comes. It's 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 a fake Falcon. Um, you know, the Sydney Green Street and Peter Laurie character leave, and then that's he's alone. I love that. Yeah, they're like, uh, it's so great. Because the moment they get a lead, that's supposed to be somewhere in Morocco. So off they go. <laughs> yeah, off they go. It's like, can we persuade you to accompany us? And he's like, I don't no, think so. You know, like off to the airport before. He, you know, it's like incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're just out of there. You know, so they're like, okay, well, we're we're out. You know, and oh. and he's like, no, we're good. And then as soon as they leave, he turns on um on Mary Astor. You know, as uh, Bridget O'Shaughnessy, and he's like, okay, we got we. I got our story straight. What happened? Because the whole time he's really trying to figure out who killed his partner. And he doesn't care about the Falcon. He cares about who killed his partner. And he knows he's pretty sure she did it. He gets her to confess, you know, and she, and then he's like, Oh, why shouldn't I turn you in? And she's like, because you love me or because I love you. He's like, well, that may be true, but I can't, I don't remember the exact line, but the line is so good where, you know, like that may be true. I, you know, maybe I do love you and you have all this on one side, but on the other side, you killed my partner and a guy's supposed to do something about that. doesn't matter if you liked him or not. He's supposed to do something about it. And, you know, then the, and then the cops come and the very last image, she's in the elevator and those, and that, and that gate closes, um, in front of her, you know, kind of like the jail, you know, the gate of the elevator, but obviously, you know, it looks like jail cells and the shadow across her face. And then the end, it's such a great ending. Such a great ending because you don't know if he's going to do it. He's going to turn her in. You don't know. I mean, it's all these twists and turns. Fantastic ending. That's what sets that. I agree. I mean, it's that ending. We just screened that uh, last semester for the noir Mm -hmm. class. And I know that you you screen that frequently in in intro, don't you? Yeah. And and often have them do shot breakdowns to it. Um that was actually the first time I'd ever screened it, but it was for a very spe- for a class before. But it was very specifically for the noir class. We were looking at the film and how it fit into the larger noir canon, and many people consider it to be one of the official starting points, you know. And and that ending is one of the things that sort of like uh, um, sort of binds it to the the, the era or movement or or style or genre of mm-hmm. noir. That, yeah, definitely. That uh, there's a moral code that's being obeyed. Um, you know, and, and separates a lot of the detective fiction noir from the sort of like double indemnity type of noir, where it's the mm. person who's, who's, who's actually pursuing the lust and down towards a, a spiral of their own demise. But, it, no, a bogey, you know, sp- you know, Spade's gonna, gonna go his own way, even at the sacrifice of it all. And it is, it's, yeah. power, it's powerful stuff. Yeah, it's so good. So good. Uh, yeah. So that's my number five. Um, so Nick started with five. So number four, um, Nick, why don't you start? Well, you asked her number. No, number Nick did five. Start? I'm going to have you start, Chris. Cause I just started, I just did number well, <laughs> do you and then me and then Nick and then you. So, all right. So, all right. All right. All right. Um, my number five, uh, again, no one, uh, this number probably four. will not be a, or five, I'm sorry, four will not be a surprise to you guys, uh, or anybody who knows the work that I, do professionally studying it um and that is the musical i had to throw a musical in here and i think that the musical that i chose is probably it, it, it's it's one of the all-time best musicals uh ever, ever made um it's one i i love dearly 
and um, the way that it ends is um, I I don't think this will be too big of a spoiler, and that's the the Wizard of Oz. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know that that everything was kind of you know that there, there's no, the whole there's no place like home, and that every mm-hmm. all of these characters from Dorothy's fantasy are her friends and enemies in real life. Uh, you know, and it's all in her head and and and, and everything. Um, I I I love that ending. Uh, I love I love the whole film, but especially the way that the uh, they they wrap the story up was uh, especially uh, especially effective, um, especially for a musical. I mean, it it's, it it is a very feel good happy ending, well, sure. uh, and uh, you know, for for a musical that called for it, so. That that is my that is my number four is. Yeah, that's uh, fantastic. I, I don't think I need to explain it. I think the universe no. of Oz is Rocks, pretty universal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Yeah. But uh, it is my it is my number four. <laughs> we've been we've been progressively going backwards. So Nick Castaway, that's uh, what year in nineties or two thousands? It's in two thousands, right? Uh, two two thousand. 2000, I think, is Captain. Yeah. yeah. And then, E.T., then we went to E.T., right, from uh, yeah. the, must have been the mid-80s, right? Uh, no, actually, that was uh, 1983. 80, 83. No, it was 80 or 81. Oh, was it that early? Okay. And then, oh, wait, 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 which one, E.T.? Yeah. E.T., yeah. No, no, no. He did Raiders in 81, so it's definitely, I think it's 83. It's in the 80s. My point was, we're going progressively backwards from 2000s to 80s. Multi's Falcon was 41, and Wizard of Oz is like 39 or something, right? Oh, 82 is E.T. I'm sorry, I just looked yeah. it up. 82. So, Nick, yours has to be before 1939, if you want to continue this progression. Is it going to be? <laughs> it is totally not. My, my next one is 1995. My number four is to a favorite and my favorite endings of all time. And boy, this is a brilliant ending. It's it's uh, from two, yeah 1995's Kicking and Screaming. I don't know if you guys know this film. Noah Baumbach's uh, Kicking and Screaming. I have never seen it. Eric, yeah. uh, I love Noah Baumbach, but I have not seen that film. Yep, and that, I think that's still his best work. Um, it's it's the one that I I connect to the most, and the one that I think just is just perfect from beginning to end. It's um, called kicking and k- kicking and screaming. It's called kicking and screaming. Yes. Yep. Um, and I think what I loved mostly hmm. about the movie, uh, and why I connect to it so much, and I'll get to the ending in a second, was because it was it was me when that movie came out. It came out in 1995. And it's about a bunch of people who are basically finishing up college. And um, in, in the present day, they are done with college and they're trying to figure out what to do. And uh, Grover's, the main character's girlfriend, Jane, played by Olivia Dabo, is off in Prague in a writing program. And he's decided to stay and live with his buddies and sort of you know, flounder for a year. Uh, and so the film is told in a series of flashbacks about when he and Jane first met and their last year of college and you know getting their shit together. But the thing of the thing of it is is that the, the funny thing about all the central characters is that you know they're finishing up college and yet they're completely sort of like impotent. They have no idea what what they're gonna do. They know they don't want to become the Eric Stoltz character who's this guy who's like been in college for ten years and is like tending bar and he's supposed to be like the wise old sage. They know that much, you know, but mm-hmm. They just don't know exactly what to do. And we get to the ending. So here's the big spoiler. 
And the mechanism throughout the entire film is that she's in Prague and she's left him a voicemail uh, or, you know, answering machine tape, taped message. And he, and, and he can't bring himself to listen to it. He gets a little bit further into the message every time. And then we go to a flashback about how their relationship uh, continues to grow and flourish and stuff like that. Huh. And it's just incredibly beautifully realized. And we, we find out that, that, Basically, she's they're still very much she's still very much in love with them. And we get to the last scene and the last scene is just this sort of like crazy, you know, three by five card scene that could have been anywhere in the film. In fact, it takes place like on one of the first days they ever spend any time together. And that's it's genius. They're walking down the street and they start talking and, and you know, they've just come out of this writing class and she, she wears this retainer. And you know Olivia Dabble, who I met, and 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 uh, I, have, I have pictures of her with me, and I've just been you know had a massive crush on her since I was a teenager. We talked a lot about that scene and this film, and she, it's the work she's most proud of in her entire career. And it's been a very long career. And the scene ends with him saying, "You know how like old couples can just like basically kiss each other, and they don't even think about it. It's like automatic." <laughs> And she's like, yeah. And he's like, I wish we were an old couple so I could just lean over and do that right now. And she sort of smiles and the music swells and it's over. Huh. <laughs> and you're like, you, you know, the first time you see it, you're like, you're kidding me. You know, that's the end. And then the shit eating grin comes <laughs> over your face and like, that's the end. And it's like, it's like the greatest ending. Uh, it's so incredible. And it's, and it's from way, way, way back in the actual, you know, story plot wise. Yeah. It's the last, last scene. But story-wise, it happens. Whoa, whoa! When they when they first meet, and it's it's just absolute genius. I love that scene. I love that movie. It's a masterpiece. That's that sounds great, man. I just wrote it down. It's on the it's top of my list, man. It's that's I Sorry, I know. Uh, I, <laughs> uh, I guess you're right. I guess I do know. Uh, that's fine. Um, yeah, because I like the squid and the whale, and I like um, Green Greenberg is really good. I've heard Francis Ha is really good, but I haven't seen it yet. It is streaming on Netflix. Yep. Um, and you know, he wrote uh, he wrote the Fantastic Mr. Fox and the Life Aquatic, right? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, Laura and I have yep. had these discussions many times. Yep. But uh, yeah, he's he's good. So I, that one uh, escaped me. I never I never uh, I never saw. It. I don't even know it at all. So yeah, that's cool. And you never seen. I'm one of the original Noah fans. From back oh yeah, back, yeah, back before before he was even making films, man. Yeah. <laughs> all right, should we move on? My uh, my number four is actually a. It's the first film I thought of when we first started talking about the when we first you know we first mentioned it to me, and it's also a film I haven't seen in years. So the end is not as seared into my mind as some of these other ones, but it's Chris Nolan's Memento oh. from two thousand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I don't remember how that ends. You'll have to remind us all. <laughs> well. Okay. It's more the narrative than the visual that I that I remember, but he's uh, you know the uh, you know guy guy Pierce plays a guy who has um, memory problems. He can only re- remember the the shortest term memory, like last maybe five minutes or something like that. the The film is told backwards, and he uh, runs into this guy um, played played by Joe Pantoliano, who seems it becomes pretty apparent the guy's manipulating him and and uh, trying to he's he's been trying uh trying to convince guy pierce's character leonard that he's been helping him try to find the guy that killed leonard's wife 
And it becomes apparent as the movie goes on that he and this other woman, by, uh, Natalie, by, played by Carrie Ann Moss, are manipulating him. And, and, and this Teddy guy is trying to get him to kill people he wants killed. And he just starts the whole thing over and over again. This becomes apparent as you go. But the very, very end, we find out that Leonard has, through a series of notes and tattoos on his body and all these other uh, kind of things, because he can't remember anything, that's this is how he remembers, he has... at, at the beginning of the last cycle convinced himself or tricked himself into believing that Teddy was the one that killed him and, and therefore killing Teddy, right. you know? So you, it ends up like you, you, your mind is kind of blown by the fact that this guy, Teddy is, has been manipulating him the whole time. And there's this image that they keep coming back to. There's certain images that they keep coming back to, and you keep thinking it's in the future. Well, it ends up being the time that he actually shoots Teddy, mm-hmm. and he figures out that Teddy's been manipulating him, and that's when he decides to to like break the circuit or whatever. And there's so much other stuff going on in that movie too, because he, there are a lot of clues that his wife never died or she wasn't killed. You know, the whole the whole thing seems, or that he killed her. There's all kinds of different suggestions of different ways you can interpret this film. But that I just remember that. Trick ending of of you know you think you you finally you think you finally figured out where it's going and it's goes in a completely different direction so that one really is a spoiler if you haven't seen memento yeah, so. yeah, that's, that's why yeah. we're putting the list on there and and yeah i mean i have not seen memento since it came out and that was during a time when we were getting a lot of uh clever endings you know usual suspects yeah memento i mean a lot, a lot of these films were coming out around the same time and um, it's funny when you said Memento, because I'm like, you have to remind me, because I remember the film, I've seen the film, um, but it's been a long time. And I mean, it was one of those films that really put Guy Pierce and Chris Nolan on the map. Yeah, definitely. I remember, for the life of me, if you asked me, like, the, the last couple of scenes or whatever, what they were, I would not remember. I just remember Yeah, me too. I, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen yeah. it since it came out either. Yeah, they're in this outdoor kind of place. Uh, it's hard to explain, like this abandoned warehouse or something sort of thing. And he's, uh, and that's that's when he shoots. It's it's pretty, it's pretty cool. I didn't, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about trick endings, you know, because you're right. You had Usual Suspects, Memento, um, Sixth Sense wasn't far, was somewhere around there as well. I think Pulp Fiction was kind of similar to that too. It, it had the kind in of way, clever, yeah, yeah, clever ending that was really the beginning of the film. The ending, yeah, of the beginning and all that. Yeah. Um, but the, you know, Pulp Fiction, though, isn't like the end doesn't like these films like this. The end that, you, that recontextualizes the entire thing. Pulp Fiction, you kind of know eh, maybe 40 minutes in that something weird's going on. Right. Right. Yeah. Which is why Pulp Fiction holds up so well, in my opinion. But um, my opinion. But um, I, I, I didn't want to put too many trick ending movies into my list and I, that, that this one was kind of representative notice i didn't put inception in there that would have been a you know because you know nolan's good at these kinds of things right but i i thought memento would would be a better one than inception because everyone knows the ending of inception and it's great and it makes you think you know that but i don't know i think the memento ending is a little more profound in, in a certain way i guess sure. profound might be a strong word but um so that's my four uh, uh Three. So Nick started, then Chris started with four. I guess I have to start. How do I? How do I keep ending these? <laughs> I'll give you my number three as well. Um, my number three is uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. 
I kind of had a th- suspicion that would be on there somewhere. Well, it's because I keep bugging you guys to talk about it, but yes, <laughs> like, let's talk about it on the on the podcast. So I'm like, okay, I'll put it on my list so we have to talk about it. <laughs> this is our, our, our preamble to our show. <laughs> if we ever get around to that, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I feel like I've been talking a lot, but um, that's the that's the problem of going back to back. But Eternal Sunshine, as as those of you who have seen it know, is about a guy who another one uh, a memory film. Now that I think about it, um, uh, a couple who have their memories erased to forget their r- relationship with each other. It follows Jim Carrey's character um, Joel through through the process, and most of the film takes place in his head, um, where he is erasing this this bad relationship with um, his girlfriend Clementine, played by Kate Winslet. And it goes in reverse order as well, like Memento. And um, about halfway through, he decides he doesn't want this anymore because now he's getting to the good memories, the memories of when they fell in love, right? So all this goes on. He wakes up the next morning. He meets her again. They go through this whole thing. And um, in the meantime, uh one of the workers at the at the place that does the memory racing, um, her Mary, played by Kristen Dunst, has sent everybody's tapes to them so to reveal that they've had these procedures done, and so they arrive at Joel's house, Clementine and Joel do, and you know, or they're going to his house. Clementine's playing the tape, and it's her going, I don't know about this guy Joel, you know, or not this guy. Like we've been dating for several years, and he just kind of bugs me, and he's, she's saying all these mean things about him. And they, as far as they know, they've just met like three days ago. And then he kicks her out. They go, he goes listen to his tape. Same thing. He's going, you know, she's not that smart, and she's kind of a slut or whatever. <laughs> and um, and at the very very end of the movie, um. She's like they're standing in this hallway facing each other, each with their back to the wall, and she's getting ready to leave. He stops her and she's like, "What?" And he's like, "I, I don't know." And she's like, well, "What do you want, Joel? You know, you're gonna get sick of me, and you know, you're gonna get tired of me, and I'm gonna get sick of you, and we're gonna want to break it, whatever." And he says, "Okay." And she says, "Okay," and starts laughing, and that's the last part of dialogue. But then the, the it cuts to this scene on the beach that's a snowy beach and it's the two of them and they're both running away from the um, camera where this uh, Beck song the lyrics to which go uh, everybody's gotta learn sometime it's Beck singing it I don't think he wrote it but um, everybody's gotta learn sometime it's got a shot of them running away from the camera for a good I don't know maybe 10 seconds and then it cuts and it's them running away from the camera again in a shorter shot and then again and it repeats like three or four times before it fades to white to end the movie and the reason I love this ending is because it doesn't seem entirely, incredibly ambiguous, but it is because the because the, either they're agreeing to mess everything up again because they know that they've done this before, right? And so you, if you read it that way, you're like, these people are idiots. They're gonna break each other's hearts again this is you know uh or you can look at it as oh love prevails they're destined to be together they're going to learn from the mistakes they learned on the tapes everything's great yay love you know and i think it depends on where you are in life how you interpret that film you know and then the, that that those shots at the very end with the music over them i think implies that they've done this many times before not just the time we see in the film i think it's a wonderful ending it's ambiguous but you can you know you can read it in different ways and uh it's really i think a really great ending to a to a really strange film i agree 
that's a great choice. Um, and I, I, I think when I, I remember when I first saw this film, um, it was uh, year, years ago um, when I was still married. And then I watched it again, like right after I got divorced. And then I watched it again a few years after, a couple years after that. It's weird because you know, yeah, it's it. You can look at it that way, either one of those kind of those one or two day two ways. But I think also there's this interesting way to look at that ending. That you know what, that's just human nature. That's what people do. People are stupid. Pe- people, <laughs> even if they're dumb, even if they know they're incompatible, they're going to continue to try. And and yes, that is the definition of insanity, where you keep doing something over and over and over again expecting a different outcome mm-hmm. however relationships and human nature is so fucked up that that's what happens and that's kind of how i look at that i looked at that film when i first saw it when i saw it again during my divorce and even now that that's just the way it goes you know people people do those things and 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 yes you have people who get together and stay together and they're happy for the rest of their lives and yes you have people who get together and end up hating each other and never talking to each other again but you also have a lot of people who are in that gray area who they kind of they irritate the absolute shit out of each other and they know they shouldn't do it again but they do it again anyway because you know what it's fun and it's silly and it's whatever. No. So I, I think that that film for me was just so good about human, human nature. It, 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 the, the, it captures the idea of relationships and adult modern, modern adult relationships um, very, very well, better than any romantic comedy could. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So that's, that's my two cents on that film. Which is which is my problem with it, and probably why I've been reticent to revisit it because I think it's a masterpiece. It's a A plus plus. But and Eric, Eric, you know, and I've known each other a long time, and he helped walk me through this particular rough spot in 2004 when this film came out. I was in the middle of a very right. difficult relationship that was sort of ending, and that movie came out right in the middle of it. You know, we actually sat down and watched it together, she and I. And, you know, because we were trying to see whether we could we could actually salvage what we had. And, uh, you know, the answer was no. Um, <laughs> but, you know, for, for our actors in the film, you know, something kept pulling them together. They were fated at some point to sort of keep, despite all their... Uh, apparent in, in, incompatibilities, you know, that's what made them compatible in some way, shape, or form there. And um, in, in, in my case, not so much, and probably it's why I've left that film in 2004. I, it's kind of maybe a little painful to revisit. That's interesting because um, because you're, in, you're reading it as the fate, on the fate angle, Chris is reading it as people are stupid, and I'm with Chris, I think it's just people are stupid. It's not that they're fated to be, they're just you know what I mean? Like they just That's stupid. You know, there's something that will attract them, of course, but you know, maybe even against their best interests. So that's kind of funny. So maybe when you see it again, you'll read it the other way. It won't know. be that big that's, of a deal. Who knows? Those are incompatible. I think you know there can be something a stupid fate, right? There can be. I mean, I think that you don't have to read it one way or the other. You can be fated to do it because you're making the wrong decision over and over and over. That's fate. It's the fate. You know what I mean? That is a, that is one of the consequences of the of fate. 
you're making the same bad decision. It's your fate to do that. Yes. If you don't, if you don't change, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that was number three for me. Right. Um, I think I'll have to do some editing there. <laughs> uh, you know, with my whole disconnection and all. Gosh, that was scary. Um, Chris, do you want to go next on three or Nick? I don't care. Um, it doesn't. I'll go. Um, <laughs> I think that this film is going to be on Nick's as well. So, Nick, I apologize in advance for stealing your thunder. Okay. Um, and that's, I'll just say it's Frank Darabont's Shawshank Redemption. No. Uh. It's not? No, that was a red herring. Oh, <laughs> okay. I, I just assumed it would be on Nick's list. <laughs> oh, no, that's, that's brilliant, Chris. I, I applaud your choice. I mean, there's no greater, you know, that's one of the greatest endings of all time. But no, it's yeah. not on my list. It is on my list. I, I think it's one of the greatest endings of all time. It's one of my favorite endings. It's the, the, the triumph of um, over, over adversity, over injustice in the absolute best way possible and the reliance of Dufresne on the, you know, it's, this film is, is as much about, you know, those other things as, you know, as about friendship and the, the enduring friendship that Dufresne and red, these two characters who, if it had not been for this horrible injustice that Dufresne suffered, being wrongly convicted that they would have never met. Um, there would have been no reason for them to. So the everything that kind of comes together throughout that film, that whole journey that these characters are taken is taking uh, is just right in that last, that last ending in, uh, in uh, Mexico. So that was I, I I don't have a lot to say about it because I well, think again it's I, pretty self Shawshank Mark discussion. Uh, it is but, the twenty year, as Eric pointed out to me the other day. It is the twenty year anniversary of Shawshank and it is. and Gump and um yeah and Gump. The, you know I I read that novella when I was quite young, sixteen or so. And Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Redemption. Yeah, right when I bought the the book, in fact, which was a Christmas present. Different seasons. Uh, different seasons, yeah. And uh, I had read in Variety. This is this is the kind of nut I was. I, I used to go to my local library because they subscribed to to Variety as a teenager and and read Variety just to keep up with the industry. And I had read that this newly formed production company called Castle Rock had optioned a story from different seasons. And I like did jumping jacks in the library, or not just jumping jacks, somersaults. I was so happy because I just assumed it would have been Shawshank, which I thought was the strongest of the four stories. But of course, it turned out to be the body, which was then made into Stand by Stand Me. By me. Which I thought was you know just just a you know in, in a very close second in my opinion. Um, I don't know why Shawshank didn't make my list. It's it's just ingrained in me. I think maybe it's because the novella and the movie have slightly, slightly, slightly different endings. Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm 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 talking about the. The movie, the film, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm saying I'm trying to say why it may not have been in my top right. five is because the movie gives you the button, the visual button, whereas the book just ends it by him saying, you know, I hope, I hope. It's hope springs uh, eternal is that particular portion of the book, and so as he's going down to the Mexican border, he says, I hope the ocean is as big as I think it is. I hope to see my friend and play chess with him. I hope, you know, and it just it ends with I hope. 
but of course, uh, Darabont thought we can't give them two and a half hours and not actually show them embrace, not show them embrace on the shores of Mexico, you know? Right. And, and he's absolutely right. You know, you had to do that. And, and it is perfect. It's a perfect film. It's a perfect script. It's perfect casting. It's perfect. Everything's perfect. Yeah. yeah, I agree. That was a, I figured it. I thought Nick would be on yours as well, but because it is a great ending, you know that 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 scene in Mexico, it's great. So good. I'm glad it. I'm glad it got mentioned. Um, Nick, what's your number three? Yes. Well, you know, I think I did those those redirects purposely. I took images from films that you thought maybe I was gonna miss. <laughs> oh, we just thought because we know you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I had nothing to do with the Facebook. It yeah. was just oh, I know I know you so you know we know yeah, you so well. Well, then here are my next three. Number th- number three is Roman Holiday, nineteen fifty three. Do you guys know this film? I don't. I I'm tangentially familiar with it. Okay. It's one of my childhood favorites. That's because I grew up, you know, massively in love with Audrey Hepburn. I think uh, most people, well, my age and certainly older than I, uh, grew up with a lot of love and familiarity with her. And it is a wonderful film directed by, you know, the incomparable William Wyler and is shot entirely in Rome, which was, um, you know, uh, quite risky back then. You know, the studios were never too fond of letting loose the reins to do uh, overseas production because they couldn't keep a, you know, a close eye on the, the shoestring of the budget. And so, uh, but they, they trusted obviously Gregory Peck very much and they trusted William Wyler and everybody associated with it, including this young newcomer, Audrey Hepburn. And this was her first substantive role. Um, oh. Gregory Peck plays uh, Joe Bradley. And of course, Audrey Hepburn plays Princess Anne. And, what? For those of you who don't really know what the film's about, it, basically, she's she's kind of rebelling and uh, and is tired of doing this like endless like you know tour of Europe, all these major cities and these capitals where she's sort of put on parade and she she can't handle it anymore. And they give her a sedative to calm calm her down, and she winds up escaping and she you know is falling asleep on a park bench. And Gregory Peck, who's a reporter. <laughs> Working in Rome for a U.S. Uh, United U.S. Uh, newspaper, stumbles by her and just thinks she's some drunk chick, and he winds up bringing her back to her place, and you know she takes the bed, and he's like, "For Christ's sake!" But what he realizes later that he's got the princess, you know, and and uh, he decides, along with the help of his photographer buddy Eddie Albert, to give her a tour of Rome, and they and they do the idea is to do this story on her the whole time, and so they're kind of really you know scamming her in a sense. But in this very short period, they actually, you know, believably fall in love. That's not easy to pull off. They actually believably fall in love. She, re- you know, she returns. She has to give this big press conference. It's the last scene of the film. She goes in there, and and it's 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 exquisite, guys. This ending is one of the all-time great endings to a film because of its level of realism. Um, during the, all these members of the press are there, including Joe and, and Eddie Albert, you know, and and she's she's like, you know, genuinely shocked to see them there and, and worried. Um, and what's so beautiful about the scene is that they're, they're, they're they can't openly express their feelings towards each other. So it's it winds up being done sort of via a series of like subtle nonverbal cues and the looks in their eyes. And of course, there's this great handshake. And what I love about the way William Wyler shoots that is she's going down this line and shaking hands with members of the press from Madrid and Amsterdam and things in London. 
And she does, they get a lot of close-ups, but when we get to Joe, to Gregory Peck, um, we, we get this long shot. And so it, it, it shows the distance, I think. Even though they're touching, it shows the distance that we're going to have in just a minute after this. The best part is yet to come, though, and that's when they ask her, does she have a favorite city? And her, she has a, a rote answer that she's supposed to give, which is, each in its own way was very special, but she just, just like the hell with that. She says Rome in that wonderful Audrey Hepburn voice. She says Rome by all means, Rome. And then she says, I will cherish my visit here in memory as long as I live. As she's looking at you know Gregory Peck, and then basically she leaves, and then everybody from the press corps leaves, and you're left with this isolated shot of Gregory Peck just standing there, kind of hoping and praying she might come back. But he knows that she won't. And so the camera dollies with him as he starts to walk backwards down this long, long marble corridor in this palace. And all you can hear are like the click clacks of his shoes. And he gets to the end of the corridor. He turns around one last look just to see if she's there. But she's a princess and he's a reporter and it can't be. And that's it. That sounds the way you describe that sounds so great. I, 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 yeah, that's just we, fantastic. Yeah. That's. That, that was marvelous, Nick. That was truly marvelous. Oh, as a, yeah. as a kid, you know, I just went nuts for this film, guys. It's so yeah. beautiful. It's well, we all love Audrey Hepburn, of course, but that's just yeah. one that I never saw. Yeah, just escaped me for some reason. That sounds great. I would definitely watch that. Just, just, just to watch that ending. <laughs> that sounds that sounds wonderful. Yeah. That's in great. fact, you know, when I used to show that to friends growing up as a teenager, you know, I I would. Uh, I would invariably get one of two reactions. People would either say, I love that ending, or they would be like, I hate that ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, who wants to go first for number two? Nick, why don't you go? Me, back to back? Okay, number two. This is a tough one, guys. I'm actually going to break my own rule and not totally give away the ending to this. Yet it is my number two. And for those of you who've seen it, you probably will understand why I'm not willing to do this. My second favorite ending to any film ever made is Cinema Paradiso. Oh. And I don't know if yeah. either of you guys have seen this. Yeah, yeah, I know it. And Chris? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. Okay. <laughs> um, I think it's one of the, truly the greatest endings ever. It would be my number one, say, for one thing. Um, it is the story of, a, of, in some ways, it's a semi-autobiographical tale of the director of the film himself, Giuseppe Tornatore, mm. uh, with some dramatic license. <laughs> and it is, so good. It is, it is the story of a boy in his lifelong love affair with movies, and is told entirely via flashback. He, uh, uh, Toto Salvatore, this, this director living in Rome, comes home and finds out one night from a woman he's living with, but clearly you know it's not his wife. Um, just his current girl, that someone named Alfredo has died. And we are transported back to post-World War II Sicily just after the war and him growing up. And, you know, he's in with, uh, he, he's, uh, a small, small town in Sicily called Giancaldo, uh, yes. And uh, he... he um, he kind of works in the, in the movie theater, not works in the movie theater, sorry. He kind of like constantly frequents the movie theater as the uh, as the priest, the local Catholic priest, censors eat the films, taking uh, you know things he finds objectionable or as he calls them pornographic out of them, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, and we sort of like grow up with Toto as he's uh, and, and we watch him fall in love and then he leaves he leaves and go, goes and does military service in Rome and then he comes back to Giancaldo and then Alfredo tells him leave get the hell out of here don't ever come back and so he goes and he becomes quite a successful filmmaker well when he arrives back in Giancaldo for for Alfredo's funeral and this is the the projectionist at the movie theater that he was so close to and was sort of like a surrogate father to him. Um, he goes there and the, the, the theater's in ruins and, you know, there's all this nostalgia and all this stuff about time and space and, and, uh, and don't look, not looking back. And uh, he, he's, he barely knows his sister. He, he confesses to his mom that he ran out on her like a bandit. And she says, don't ever, don't ever think that way. I'm glad you did what you did. You know, I'm glad you left, you know. And there's this really, really difficult scene to watch where he's he takes his old projector and shoots and projects this footage he shot of Elena, the woman, the girl he was madly in love with and clearly never, ever got over. He's got tears in his eyes as he screens his stuff. And then we get we get to the ending of the film. And I can't tell you guys what the ending is. (laughs) It's a great ending, though, that film. If I said yeah. so instead, I'd rather give you guys the build up to it and say, yeah. I can't actually spoil that one out of out of my sort of sacred love of that film. But I, I say that, you know, I have screened this film over and over. I just screened it last week in history of film. Uh, and I've screened this film for years and years and years and years. I still get emails from students saying it's their favorite film of all time. That it's, yeah. it's it, that, you know, and so that's why it's my number. Two. That's a that's a, a wonderful ending. It's so. Yeah, it's so good. I won't give it away either, of course. But um, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> yeah. I I recommend. I would recommend that movie wholeheartedly. Um, you know, for the ending in, in some respects. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Nick, I'm I'm glad you're not giving it away because I think it would destroy the spirit of the film. Yeah, with the magic, really. Yeah, yeah, it's wonderful. That's great. Um, I'm gonna go next for number two, and then go I'll for let it. Chris go because I ended the last ones. Um, my number two is Scorsese's Departed. Uh, <laughs> you haven't seen The Departed? It's nope. uh, it's okay. wonderful. I, I was my suggestion, so <laughs> I, I have I have not seen The Departed either, actually. Oh wow! I've got um, black for not seeing it too. Believe me. Well, it's it's a complicated tale. Um, it's um, uh, the I don't even know where to go now. I thought you guys had seen it. Uh, <laughs> I'm on my I'm on my own, uh, castaway as it were. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, not to get too bogged down in details. It's an incredibly complicated film. It's based on a, um, I believe, a Chinese film or a film from Hong Kong called uh, Infernal Affairs, which is also quite a good film. But um, y- y- you know, you got. Um, Matt Damon, who plays this uh, kid who is groomed by Jack Nicholson to enter the police force, but then to be a mole in the police force for Jack Nicholson's, uh, uh, he's like he's the head of the mob. And you've got Leonardo DiCaprio, who is trying to, who has ties to the mob as well, and is trying to bust them. It's got, it is incredibly complex. Okay. But the last couple scenes, there's a, there's a scene that takes place in an elevator towards the end that is that is 
just amazing and and worth watching just for that scene um, where a lot of people get shot. I'll just put it that way. I'm not even going to give the entire thing away. It's <laughs> it is wild, man. It is wild at the end of this elevator scene, and then there's a funeral and all the stuffs going on. And at the very very end, the uh, Matt Damon character. I'm sorry, the uh, Mark Wahlberg character. He plays this guy named Dignam. He, um, you know, he knows what's going on. He's figured out everything. Like, and it it seems like the uh, Matt Damon character is going to get away with it. And and the police force is so corrupt that the Wahlberg character knows he cannot go through official channels. Um, so you're thinking that that he's gotten away with it, the Matt Damon character, Colin Sullivan. And at the very very end, the very last scene, you you've got um, uh, Sullivan coming home with a bag of groceries and you've got Mark Wahlberg standing there with this plastic over his shoes and a gun in his hand and um, Damon goes bah. and then he just and he just shoots him bam, bam and then walks out the door it is so amazing it's so satisfying it's a very yeah Wahlberg shoots Damon it's amazing man it's a great ending sorry for giving it away guys but it's worth watching it's it's worth watching man um but the last two the the scene I just described was the last scene um and the scene in the elevator is about two scenes before that and um there's a funeral scene in the middle but it's uh the ending is crazy, but it's worth watching the build-up, man. It's a uh, it's it's a really difficult film, but it's got yeah, it's a Scorsese film. It's got great music. It's you know it moves well. It's got you know Alec Baldwin's in it, and you've got Martin Sheen, and you've got Mark Wahlberg. And there are a lot of people in this film, and uh, it's uh, it, the ending is really it's really satisfying and, and a little shocking at the same time. So it's, it's pretty good. I don't even mind that you give away the ending. Um, to be to be honest with you, I'm not. I'm to me. A spoiler isn't that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, well, because the ending is just that. It's just the ending. Yeah. Um, the fun of it is seeing how you get there, yeah. right? I mean, that's f- that's what that's what makes me love the movies. Who, you know, yeah, the, the ending is great. That depend, and, though, Chris, right? I mean, that does depend on this, the magnitude of the ending. Or yeah. Like yeah, to a certain extent. Or... Yeah, because yeah, this ending is a culmination of events. It's not a twist, you know. Like if it's the right. Sixth Sense, and you tell everybody the ending of the Sixth Sense, like back when it was out, that would be pretty bug, right? <laughs> you know, if it's a twist ending. But yeah, otherwise, I agree. I knew a film professor once who, before she showed a film, would would tell the students the entire plot, including the end, oh, man. so that they wouldn't watch for plot. So that they would watch for other cinematic, you know, for cinematography or mise en scene or whatever. That's so actually was, a really well, good idea. That's uh, a really good no idea. way, man. No, I would never do that. I would never do that. It, it, it's just there is a magic to watching a film for the first time, you know. That's true. And but uh, yeah, she would do that every time to tell them the whole movie, including the end, and then and then press play. So <laughs> that's kind of brutal. It's kind of brutal. I mean, it makes sense. I get why she did it, but it's, I know it's it's brutal for sure. The, the dog dies in the end. <laughs> it's a sled. Yeah. Um, yeah, very <laughs> spoilers about about when there's like with television series, you know, like if there's oh, so yeah. time invested. Oh, yeah. television series. Yeah, I, I hate it if someone. Yeah, yeah, I have no patience for that. That just happened to me. Someone is spoiled. And oh, Eric, I thought I. You know, this is a digression, so I apologize to the listeners. But I was telling Eric the other day via text message that somebody had spoiled the end of the second season of Orange Is the New Black for me. And Seriously? 
Yeah, and but he was like, "How did that happen?" And I will tell you without saying anything about you know anything here, but just to make that clear. But the the point of it was is she didn't know the show <laughs> and didn't know what she had watched, so she explained it to me, and then oh. I went. <laughs> And she's like, oh, is that a big deal? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my yeah. God. And so that that's how somebody spo- inadvertently, accidentally destroyed season two for me. And I'm like, oh, that's oh, terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> that is just terrible. Yeah. Television seasons is a different. That's yeah. a different monster. That's a different yeah. monster. And, and I don't know. Like the ending of Psycho or the end, you know. Like, right. If somebody had spoiled that for me, you know, before I'd seen it, I'd be upset. Or like that stupid T-shirt, you know. Oh, my spoiled T-shirt? Yeah. Oh, yeah. you have that? Yeah, that's a dumb the shirt. One, the, <laughs> the dumb shirt. It is. <laughs> what are you talking about? What's T-shirt? It's all it's spoilers a, to all the, you know. Oh, that's great. It's a, yeah, it's a T-shirt through Threadless. You know, no, I'm sorry. You know, most people should see these films. I'm sorry. You know, Luke well, is his. Look at, I was in second grade, okay, when I saw Psycho. I would say that's pretty early in my life. But it yeah, that's 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 pretty early. But a second grader is not going to look at my my shirt and say, "Oh, you know, Soylent Green is people." No, no, no. <laughs> you were going to say that you know you you know these films have been out a long time. People should know the ending of them. But but I mean, yeah, I was in second grade when I saw Psycho. I'd call that an early adopter. So I yeah, that's pretty early. Yeah, so I mean that that doesn't it's like, a, hold it, true all the time. It's a know? great yeah. shirt. It's a it's a it's it's, it's fun. Shirt. It's mean spirited, is what it is. It's mean spirited. It is. It gives away all the endings to all the you know the hey rosebud's a fucking sled you know. <laughs> it's meant in fun. It's just everybody's meant... dead. All right, Everyone's let's move on. Um, all right. Well, where are we? We're on number two still. I, um, I, I, I said mine. Where are we? Um, I'll go. Was this all off of The Departed? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, this is all off The Departed. We have Nick's uh, number two. Okay, Chris, what's your number two? All right, my number my all right, my number two and my number one are both um, class. I'm just going to say they're classic films. The 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 endings are very well known. Um, that doesn't take away from the fact that they're still two of my favorite endings of all time. So speaking of which, since we just mentioned the fucking sled, my number, <laughs> my number two favorite ending of all time is Citizen Kane. Um, I the love sled, Citizen The sled Kane. keeps coming up the as a joke. The sled keeps coming up. Rosebud. Uh, I love that film. I've seen it hundreds of times. Uh, watch it hundreds more. I screen it every fucking semester for intro to film. Um and for other classes, uh, I love the ending. I love the 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 fact that um, the characters do not ever find out what Rosebud is, yeah. but that one word means so much for Kane and um, the Romana Clef uh, nature of the film being based on uh, Hearst. Um, Again, again, it's it, it is a film that people should know. It is a you know rose. The whole idea of Rosebud has been uh, kind of ingrained in popular culture. Mm-hmm. But I love the ending, and I love that last short that last sh- short shot of Xanadu with the smoke pluming up and the intense heavy music. Uh, Bernard Herman did that score, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Bernard Herman's score. Uh, you know, do not enter. Picture. Pardon me? We, 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 we. Yeah, I, 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 his last was Taxi Driver. 
Oh, wow. Really? wow. His first was Citizen Kane and his last was Taxi Driver? That's that's what quite bookends. a bookends, wow. yeah, to a career. God wow. damn. <laughs> wow. Anyway, so. And you have that no trespassing <laughs> sign at the end. No trespassing. Yeah. Truffaut in the middle there, so. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Just, just, just a few, just a few people along the road. You know, no one big Hitchcock or Truffaut. Uh, yeah. Uh, so Citizen Kane is number two. Um, it's it's up there in my top five, and uh, definitely my number two ending. Citizen Kane and my number one ending film. Uh, they're the reason I love the movies. It's films like that. And Give us your number movie. one too, man. Might as well. All right, what the fuck? <laughs> I, my my number one again. It has um, the ending features probably um, the quote in the ending is probably one of the most well known of all quotes in American cinema history, and that is uh, Mr. Demille. I am ready for my close up, and that uh, is Billy Wilder's Sunset Boulevard. Yeah, uh, again, another movie about the movies. Um, was made was also made into a musical. Angela Weber did made, made, made into the musical, which was not bad. Uh, I know a lot of people panned it because it was Angela Weber, but it wasn't awful. Um, <laughs> it was no, it was not typical. It was not Phantom of the Opera, which I despised. I thought Phantom of the Opera sucked, but um, it, Sunset Boulevard wasn't bad. But the film, um, again, uh, you know, there there so many wonderful things about that film you know we didn't we didn't need voices we had faces i mean I, <laughs> yeah i i love it and that ending yeah i'm ready for my close-up <laughs> it's got a good um, beginning too <laughs> yeah it just it just genius yeah everything about the film it it it, it the, the the circular nature of it, it just it um it's the reason i love movies right um Sunset Boulevard is the reason, and the ending to Sunset Boulevard is the reason I love movies, and it's all yeah, it's are, all Hollywood, it's all glitz, it's all glamour, it's all it's 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 all the movies. Yeah. So well, those yeah, are two Rock, great endings. Kane and Sunset, yeah, those are very yeah. you know, those are very well known and you know well known, and I, you know, I mean, yeah, they're not they're 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 well known, they're tried and true, but they they're are true, but they're special, beautiful endings. They're special endings to me. As 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 someone who's a, who's a real cinephile, they're just special to me. So yeah, there you have it. That's there's, number, there's my there's my top five. I do have two honorable mentions that I'll mention when we're done. Okay. You uh, Nick, you want to flip a coin for number who goes first or last? I'll go last. Now you'll go last. Okay. My number one, um, which again this is you know loose um, in terms of the the order, but. Um, Another very famous ending line, Chris. I was afraid you were going to poach mine when you were like, "It's it's one of the most well-known lines." I, I thought you were going to say, "Forget I know, it." I know what Eric's is. Do you? What is it? Yeah. It's Casablanca. No, it's Chinatown. Damn. Chinatown. <laughs> I, 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 when you said oh. famous endings, I was like, "Oh, it's kind of, it's, yeah." He's getting <laughs> this is the beginning. You know, oh, geez, no. Yeah, yeah I yeah, do love the ending. I do love the end of 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 uh, Obviously, you know, this is our beginning of a beautiful friendship, right? And the whole, just the whole plot twist at the end of that. But no, it's Chinatown. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just uh, you know another, you know. I noticed that my my number two, my number uh, three and four were both about memory, and they're told backwards. And my number one and two are both about corrupt, uh, you know, politicians or police departments. So I don't know what what that says about me, but you know what I mean. But uh, the the very end of Chinatown, you know, they're in Chinatown finally, where they haven't been in this entire film. You've got. Um, 
you know, you know this incredibly corrupt person, um, you know, Noah Cross, who, who it's hard to imagine a, a worse bad guy, you know, than um, the Noah Cross played by John Huston. You know, he's he's I mean, I guess I can give it away, but, you know, he's he's evil. He's twisted. He's sick. He, he, he you know, he's left with his daughter he and he was trying to hide it he doesn't even think it's doesn't even seem to have any remorse about it he he's a murderer oh my gosh terrible person at the end you know this is a you know a neo-noir so you know in in most film noir you especially because of the production code in part you expect the bad guy to get you know, killed or arrested or, 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 you know, have a come up and said, and no, you know, it's the, uh, it's the, it's the, it's the girl that ends up dead. The woman that ends up dead. He takes off with the, his granddaughter slash daughter. Uh, and then at the very end, you know, the big lie, you know, is with uh, Jack Nicholson's Jake Giddis, you know, someone says to him, forget it, Jake, it's Chinatown. And, it just sums it all up. I wish I could do impressions. I can't. Can you do that impression, Nick? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're good. You're good at impressions. Yeah, like, forget it, Jake. It's forget it, Jake. I said Jack. Yeah, forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. Oh man, it just encapsulates this whole like. There's nothing you can do no. about the deep, uh, just evil of this man, but of 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 the system in general. Like, not everything goes in Chinatown, and it's just this, um. Ugh, you know, evil wins in this film in a in a, in a really big way, and uh, I think Robert Town, the screenplay, like you said, is is absolutely amazing. It's one of those screenplays you make students read <laughs> when they, you know, when you want to show a good screenplay in your class. You know, you make them read that, and Polanski directed it well. Nicholson's great. I mean, it's yeah. So forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. So does your list, Eric, say that you're a cynical nostalgic? Is that what you're to <laughs> With memory problems. <laughs> you're a cynical nostalgic with memory problems. That's which is possible. kind of, uh, which, yeah, which is kind of uh, <laughs> a problem for a nostalgic to have memory problems, right? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, Maltese Falcon, too. I guess you're right. That was a pretty a cynical, cynical ending as well. I hadn't thought of that. A yeah. cynical nostalgic with memory problems. Yeah. yeah. Well, when I give you my one honorable mention, you'll 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 see some more cynicism. Maybe. Oh but. God! All right, there yeah. you go. All right, Nick, well, what's I, your number one, buddy? Well, before you do that, I gotta tell you. I mean, like Chinatown for me also is one of those absolute classic endings, and it's it's funny because Chris's um, number one is is it Al Diamond? No, Charles Brackett, and I think Billy Wilder wrote um, Sunset Boulevard, and mm-hmm. of course Chinatown is. Uh, uh, is Robert Town, and uh, my number one, the screenplay is also recognized as sort of like a master template for uh, for storytelling, for sure, and also for kind of like showing young writers how to go about doing things. Uh, maybe not so much in the post two thousand era right now, where concept and effects and things are privileged over story and character, but. Um, my number one is I would consider it probably like the greatest ending to a film of the entire 1970s, uh, but it's it's my favorite ending of all time, and that's I I know this one. Do you? I think I know. Take a guess. Bonnie and Clyde. No, that's 67, and that's woof, man. That's a rough ending. Yeah, I couldn't point that as my favorite, but I would say that was one of the most impactful. Yeah. Okay. Well, so what's your favorite then? Rocky. 
Rocky. Rocky. Yeah. Damn it, I should have guessed Rocky. Yeah, Rocky is just... Uh, Adrian! Yeah, I mean, it is sort of like so perfectly encapsulates. It's uh, the 70s, you know. I mean, it's, it's right <clears throat> smack dab in the middle there in 76 is when it was released. And by God, I mean, it was the yeah. giant, giant killer took down uh, all the president's men. And for those of you who don't know, I'm sorry, but I'm going to give it away. Uh, he loses, you know, the fight. But he wins and gains self-respect, and, and the girl, and the love of of a girl that you know he loves too. And it the, this when Bill Conti's music swells as they're talking to him, they got the mic shoved in his face. He's like, I don't know if there's gonna be a rematch, you know. And the music's getting faster in tempo, and Adrian is trying to get into. He's she's he's calling for her, and she's calling to him, and and, and the, the cutting's getting faster, and you just don't know what's either, what's gonna. Can she get there? And yeah, she gets up to the ring, and she, but she can't get in. And then Polly lifts up the you know the rope, and she scoots in there, and then they tell each other that they love <laughs> each other. You know, I mean, sweet. God, you cannot have a better ending, people. <laughs> That's a fantastic ending. It chokes me up every single time I, I, I watch it. You know, it's just, it's perfect. So It is a perfect yeah, ending. That was a great choice. And I, yeah. I that Yeah, that's a great ending to a great film. Uh, and look at us, no overlap. Wow. Amazingly enough. Amazingly yeah. enough. Came overlap. close on Shawshank for me. With Chris yeah. yeah, Shawshank was close. Yep. <laughs> uh, Chris, what's, what are your honorable mentions real quick? I have two, and they're both just because they're fun. My first honorable mention is Saw, yeah. um, <laughs> the original, James Wan and Lee Wanell's Saw. Um, the last line of the film is game over when, when they they just saw slams close close the um, the big the, the big oh, door to this bathroom. That? Came over, boom, you know, and then of, of course there, there's that very right before that happens. He's getting, they think he's, you know, this dead body gets up. You got this great score, pardon? Who did you watch that with? I watched that with you. There you go. Yeah. I watched that with with Doctor Schlegel. He burned yeah. it for me, Nick, a long time ago. He, yeah, I we watched say that, but I we never watched, watched it. <laughs> we watched Saw <laughs> oh, together. Shit. All right, don't pay attention to what he said then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, All right, what's uh, your other honorable mention? All right, the other one is uh, I'm gonna get a lot of flack for this one, but you know what? It was just a fun. It was just a, a cool ending to a a fun film that was novel at the time, and that would be uh, the Blair Witch Project. Oh, oh, sure. Great <laughs> I like, I love the ending of the Blair Witch Project because because the when when they when they walk into the house and you were hearing these screams and you see that dead body you know he's he's kind of propped in the corner and then it just you see another screen and the camera flips almost like you're gonna see the Blair Witch and then it goes black and that's it that's the end of the film I was like oh my god what a great movie I you know. had goosebumps when I saw that in the oh I did too and that ending really I thought it was the best moment in the film yeah it was gimmicky and like, of but, course it was gimmicky it, but it, 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 it worked you know it worked I enjoyed the ending yeah. of the film. Um, I have yeah, two honorable t- mentions too you wanna you wanna you wanna throw them out there? Sure. My first, along the lines of what Chris just said, that this one is actually a precursor to both those films and event and established the false ending. Anybody know what film I'm talking about here? Uh, gosh, I want it. Of the convention. Hmm. My students almost almost religiously. Oh, religiously. Oh, okay. Good is a good. Uh, it's a good clue. Is it The Exorcist? No. What could it be? What has a? Is it The Exorcist? 
Nope, that didn't have a false ending. No, it didn't. The Omen didn't. Man, a surprise. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. False ending. Yeah, Carrie. Carrie. Oh, I knew it was a horror film. I could not figure out which I horror film it was. I knew it was a horror film, too. Yeah. Yeah. Carrie, yeah. that ending, you know, when, when uh, you know, Sue's walking up to the grave, to, to you know, the, the, the remains of the house, and then all of a sudden yeah. the hands come out of the, out of the you know, the grave, and Carrie Wright, Carrie, you know, and then her hands grab her, and oh, my God, the students jump 20 feet every semester. Like, <laughs> and we've already talked about the ending. We've even looked at the end of Scream. When you know when you know Nev can't when when uh, Skeet Ulrich eyes opens up and they're like you know this is the moment in the film when the bad person comes back and then you know Skeet Ulrich's eyes open up and he and Nev Campbell puts a bullet through his head and it's like not in my movie. <laughs> <And so, laughs> we talked about that and yeah. Jerry still makes him jump ten feet. Brilliant. <laughs> the other Carrie, one, yeah, go ahead. And Carrie and. Carrie Ann, The Verdict. This is written by David Mamet. It's, it's, uh, you guys, neither of you have seen this? Paul Newman, Cindy Lumet? No. Okay. Yeah, the ending of that is, to, to make it uh, really sellable in like 30 seconds or under, uh, it, it's, it's a lawyer movie. It's my favorite Paul Newman performance in his entire career. He's been sold out by somebody. And at the very end of the film, the phone's ringing. And you anticipate that it's her on the other line. And he reaches forward to grab it. And then he sort of leans back into his office chair and thinks about it. And then we cut to her. We do see that it is, in fact, her calling, Charlotte Rampling. And she's a mess. She's like, you know, drunk and, and very remorseful about what she's done, seeking forgiveness. And then we cut back to Newman. The phone just rings. And then we just cut to black in the middle of a ring. And it's like the most fucking satisfying ending in the world. It's, like, <laughs> it's so, so, so good. And it's, it's Sidney Lumet firing on all cylinders. Yeah. On all cylinders. David Mamet on all cylinders. You guys have seen the verdict. It's a masterpiece. Yeah, that's a tough one. I like, I love Paul Newman and I love Sidney Lumet, but I hate David Mamet. But I think those two will uh, overpower it. It's like so Mamet's first script, I believe. Yeah, I mean, he's really no. playing it straight. You know? Yeah, you know, that's there's, good. There's no yeah. Mamet in it. It's not based yeah. on the play that he wrote or anything. He yeah, just, you know, like for the Untouchables, which works perfectly. You know. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, my honorable mentions. Uh, well, I just throw Casablanca in there since we talked about it. And the other one, I don't even need to explain. It's The Empire Strikes Back. Of right? course. Oh, oh yeah, know, that so. shot. How can you beat that? Yeah, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> so, <laughs> sounds good. Cut. That's a wrap. been listening to that's a wrap with doctors nicholas schlegel christopher gullen and myself eric marshall you can find us at that's a wrap show.com that will get you to facebook and twitter and we do appreciate itunes reviews thanks a lot and we'll see you next time